Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Juliana Margulies is the author of Sunshine Girl, An Unexpected Life, which is now available in paperback. As an Emmy, Golden Globe, and Screen Actors Guild award winner, Juliana Margulies has achieved success in television, theater, and film. She starred as Alicia Florick on the long-running hit CBS show The Good Wife, which she also produced, and is also well-known for her role as one of the original cast members of ER. More recently, she has starred on critically acclaimed series including The Morning Show, Billions, and The Hot Zone. She's been involved with Project ALS and Aaron's Law and is also a board member of the New York City-based MCC Theater Company. We had the best time. I had the best time. I hope she did recording this podcast and it was just such a thrill and her memoir is really great and I learned so much about her and you will too. Welcome, Juliana. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Sunshine Girl and Unexpected Life now in paperback. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's such a treat. I mean, I had no idea. I mean, 
as you don't with most people who you don't actually know. I had no idea about your whole childhood, how much you moved, what your mom was like, your dad, your family, how much you moved around, all these different cultures you were exposed to. And I, every time you moved, I'm like, come on, she's not going to move again. Really? Again? What was, that, what was that like for you? <laughs> it was difficult because it was so, every year was an unknown. There was no security in that. Never knowing what, you know, forget what house or school you're going to, what country you're going to be living in. And the bigger thing I think for me was, will I be near my dad? Mm -hmm. So I think children of divorce go through so much pain when their parents separate, which I didn't because I was a year old when they, when they separated, but my dad had always been a constant in my life. And, And so when, when it went to sort of twice a year, maybe that I was seeing him when my mother moved me and one of my sisters back to England, And then when my father moved back to England, once we got back to the States, it was just, it gave me tremendous resilience. And then I realized I had to fend for myself, which is, which is probably a good thing too, in many ways, because I developed a strength. I don't know if I would have had, had that not been the case, right? There's always, you always have to look for the silver lining. And I think that's sort of the purpose of my, of my book and the telling of my journey is that I didn't realize until I was much older that I could create my own narrative for my own life. I think we live in the shadow of our childhoods for years and we put our parents up on a pedestal, no matter you know, how wonderful they are, how terrible they are. <laughs> my parents were both incredibly loving, but incredibly vacant. Mm-hmm. And so the silver lining of that for me was that I felt the love and they, they always were my they were my biggest champions. I mean, you know, they championed me. There was nothing I couldn't do in their eyes. And yet I didn't have a, a soft landing. You know, I had no one to fall back on and uh, no one to depend on, but myself. So the silver lining of that was that I became very reliable, but in the midst of it, you know, as I was becoming a woman, I made poor choices in my relationships with men because I was used to walking on eggshells and I was used to not knowing. And I got good at navigating that. And I, you know, when I turned 35, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, wait, this, this actually doesn't have to be my life. I don't have to be in pain all the time. Just because this, you know, my career was going great. doesn't mean my personal life has to be awful. It sort of felt like I was balancing, you know, okay, I've got the career down. Now let me suffer. So I really wanted people to sort of see that, like, you can come out of all this chaos and create your own calm if you really do the work, if you really do the the deep down thinking of how did I get here and where do I want to go? And that can be really painful. There were parts of this memoir I wrote that I would look at the screen and it was just blank. And I'd be like, you know, this is too hard. I've got nothing. I'm I'm good for the day. I'm going to walk away from my computer. (laughs) And then there were days where I sat down and four hours would fly by and I didn't even realize I had been sitting there for four hours because it all just came flowing out of me. And the gift that this book gave me was once I had it all done and I let it out into the universe, I feel lighter. Even though I had worked all that stuff out and I knew it intellectually, 
writing it down on the page. And that's why I always say to my friends who are going through a hard time or can't, you know, figure something out. I'm, I always, I always say to them, write it down. Even if no one's going to see it, write it down on the page, because once you see it, you can let it go. But until you see it, you're going to be carrying it with you. And that's toxic. So and true. so I really wanted to live my life toxic free. And that includes my relationships with my parents. You know, I needed a forgiveness in, from them in order to move on. And I, and I, you know, it's not just words to, to really hear a parent say, I'm sorry. Parents so rarely tell their children, I'm sorry, because it, it gives them a disadvantage, right? <laughs> then why are their children going to listen to them again? And I really learned from that experience when I'm wrong with my own child. I, I have on occasion said to him, you were right. And I was wrong. And I apologize because I want him to learn that it's okay to apologize in life. It doesn't make you a weaker person. It makes you a stronger person and a more reliable person. So those were sort of the lessons I took away and the lessons I wanted to pay forward because I think a lot of, uh, especially women, um, you know, we feel like we're supposed to do it all. We're supposed, you know, work balance, work-life balance. Is that what they say? You know, And I, that's why I wanted to show the underbelly of what it was like to be on The Good Wife, which I know on the outside looked so glamorous. Look at her. You know, she's got this incredible job and, and I did. I loved every minute of it. But the juggling I was doing to survive was ridiculous. You know, I would never do that again. <laughs> There's just no way. And I got sick because of it, you know, because I kept powering through. So, yeah, so I think I sort of tried to blend it all into one to show the childhood part, the journey to the adulthood part, the mess of the adulthood part from the childhood part, and then the clarity of truly coming into my own as a woman. Wow. Well, I see why for you writing made such a difference because you can't read this book without having empathy for what it was like for you as a child and sort of forgive it. You know, whoever you become, right? When you see the, the way that the it started out and the unpredictability and even little moments, like when you got off that plane in London and your mom wasn't there and then you showed <laughs> us the picture of what you were like. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she was just like, thinking she was going to go to prison for, you know, like just yeah. not being able to count on someone who's supposed to be the bedrock. It, right. it has to lead you in a certain way. And then I just thought it was so amazing as you were saying about forgiveness, like even with your dad's letter and sort of re reshaping the way that your life had gone and, and making it into new memories for you and sort of just understanding analytically so you can move on emotionally. I thought it was, I mean, it's really amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That, and that's also why you need a really good editor because I had originally written just excerpts of that letter and sort of interwove it with my own dialogue. And um, my editor called me and she, after she read that chapter and she said, I need the whole letter. And I said, Oh God, really? You think anyone's interested in the whole letter? And she was, uh, she said, a hundred percent, we need the whole letter. And what was amazing about that was, I wrote it with trepidation, the whole letter, but the response to that letter has been remarkable from readers just saying that's where they broke down yeah. in the book. That's where they were sobbing because they couldn't. And also to be able to show the parent side of things, 
You know, like it allowed me to understand we're all just human, you know, doing the best we can and we're flawed and we're juggling. And my dad was just felt that he was up against a wall and he, he thought he, look, I'm supporting them. I'm giving them an education and I'm, you know, and then to hear, so, so to see my side of it, to understand it, to hear his side of it and to realize like, you don't have to walk around with this caseload of anger Mm -hmm. towards your parents for not being there. How about you ask them why? Yep. And I'm lucky. I know how lucky I am that I had parents who were, you know, they were receptive to that because Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of parents, especially of my parents' generation would just sort of pretend they didn't hear it or not respond or defend themselves. My parents were very open. And, and for me, you know, when my dad suddenly died and it was so strangely sudden to have this vegetarian man who didn't drink or smoke like dropped dead at 79 of a stomach aneurysm was so out of left field for all of us. But because I had done all the work with him, there was, there was no unfinished business. You know, I only felt love when he died and grief and you can really work through love and grief. It's very hard to work through anger and grief. Very true. Yeah. So that's what I always try to tell my, my friends who, who have, you know, difficult relationships with their parents as adults. And I don't think we've explored that enough either. You know, I think, I think we need to explore what it is to be an adult and, and still have a relationship with the, with your parents and be able to find the love, you know, not just not, I I didn't want to complain anymore. And I didn't, I didn't want to still have the same baggage with my parents because you bring that into a marriage. Mm-hmm. You just do. There's no way you don't. And if you just block it out, you're still holding on to something toxic. So it's cathartic to write it down and to, to see your feelings on the page and then be able to work through them. And also because I think as, as crazy as my mother was, she's such a fascinating character. I mean, I'd love to play her one day. <laughs> <laughs> you should. That would be amazing. So it's good storytelling, you know, because no one would believe it. Who's going to believe that, you know, a 15-year-old comes home and her mother is living with a 21-year-old man? I mean, you know, and and how do you navigate that as a 15-year-old when the boyfriend's much closer to your age than your mother's age? Oh my God. You were like, he has acne. He has acne. That's how young he is. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was like, are you kidding me? He's got acne. Doesn't she see it? She didn't, by the way. We joke about it now a lot. I mean, my mom... My mom is almost 87 and just last August I had to move her into assisted living because she has beginning stages of dementia, which has been really interesting to navigate also Mm -hmm. because her narrative of my childhood and her own childhood has complete, it's selective narration. I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, I, I actually, I think there's another book in there too, just to sort of the journey of, of an aging parent who's falling ill and how we, you know, how how do we get through it without it letting it push our buttons? Mm-hmm. How do we react in a kind, empathetic way rather than an angry, like, you know, go back to that childhood reaction when, when she triggers me. So it's been, it's been a fascinating journey that way too. Wow. Well, I think you're right. I feel like you're only really an adult when it you can put down the stuff 
that is all that when you stop living your life about your your own parents. Right? Like when my mom was finally like, you know what, I did the best I could, you know. So, <laughs> and right. I'm like, you know what, she did. And that's all. That's what I'm trying to do now as a parent. Like that's all any of us can really do. And maybe right. we'll make mistakes, but you know, moving on. Yeah, I mean, that's all you can do. The best you can do. You know, I mean, I have, and don't we deal with it every day on like a, a, you know, I don't want to say mundane level, but I mean, just today, like I have a back-to-back day and then I have this event I have to go to tonight. And what about dinner? (laughs) You know, so I'm like, I made sure run and take the dog out early. And then, and then, oh my God, I've got to go shopping and I've got to get food. What what do they want? And then you have to think about what they want to eat. Like just the littlest things. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is when you're a working parent. You know, and of course they could just order in, but my, the mother in me wants them to open the fridge and say, oh, we have a choice of this, this, and that, you know, all these crazy things we do because God forbid my child grows up to say my mother was never home to make me dinner. That's like, that's like a a steak, just drive a steak through my heart. (laughs) So I hope that's the the only thing he has to complain about when he's on the shrink's couch, but (laughs) It is. And then there's that point too, when it, when you come from parent, you know, like, especially someone like my mother and I write in the book, you know, she, she definitely did not cross her T's or dot her I's. I mean, it it is shocking (laughs) that we got through any of it, but then am I doing too much for my kid now? Mm -hmm. Am I, am I doing so much that he won't be able to fend for himself? And I panic about that all the time. And I try and stop myself. I'm constantly, there's this monologue of like, just because you can do it better doesn't mean you should do it. Let him do it and learn, you know? It's so, so hard though. It's so hard. <laughs> when you're watching them struggle, right? I, yes. <laughs> I'm like, let me just tie the shoes. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on. Because we're always in a rush and we're always yeah. go, go, going. I mean, that was the silver lining of the pandemic for me was just this sudden stillness and the time to really enjoy cooking mm-hmm. and enjoy putting a meal out on the table and sit and talk to one another without... A, a, a timer going off saying, okay, done. Now we got to go. You know, I, I think it was so tragic in many ways, this pandemic, but I, I think in so many ways it reset the clock for many, many families. And especially, I think many, many mothers who were juggling most of the work. Yep. I mean, I know that sounds sexist in the opposite way, but it is true. No, I think it's a huge, it was a huge relief not to be racing places. I mean, yeah. so much of the day is like you know, getting this kid to that place and figuring out what they need and not forget. I mean, having all that in your head, like always going around, yeah. at least you could put that piece down. There were other issues, right? But at exactly. least that. There were other, yes, it's so true. And also to know that like, yeah, all these little things that build up, like they'll get, they'll get through it. <laughs> you know, They'll be fine. Yeah. It is. It, it it is a it's a it's a tremendous journey this life we're on. My my child actually said to me the other day, which at first I was so taken aback by it. And then I realized, like, wait, what a great way to live. He he said to me out of the blue, he goes, I just need you to know I'm not afraid to die. And I said, first of all, you're 100 percent healthy. Why are we having this conversation? And what? And he said, I just think it's weird that everybody in this world goes around worried about death when it's the inevitable. It's part of life, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I said, well, I think it's really the people that get left behind that are yep. the ones to worry about. And he and and he said, well, yeah, I would be sad if there there was death in my life, but I also know that that is what life is. Good for him. I know, right? That's, I mean, that is great. 
I literally yesterday, well, I don't know when this is coming out, but yesterday was Mother's Day and I decided to write a note to my kids as if I were dead. I know this sounds like depressing, but I wanted them to know that like, I don't want them to be sad on Mother's Day. Like I love Mother's Day. And the thought that like for years on end, just because I die, they would all be sad about it and mourning and crying. I wanted to be like, no, no, no. Like, let's enjoy it. Like, this is not like a plot twist. We all knew this would, this happens to everybody. Like, so maybe you can, and now I'm sort of like, what if there's a way to get a, what if we could get rid of grief? Like how amazing if we got rid of that, what would that do for the community and the the world at large? Like think about all the, anyway, that's where my, that's actually a really great letter. That's a brave letter to write. Did they read it or did you put it yeah. away? No, I posted it on Instagram. Oh, you did? <laughs> I posted it. I read it to them. My daughter, who's younger, was like crying. She's like, why would you read this to me? I'm not old enough for this. And I'm like, you know what? Because tomorrow you, you don't know what's going to happen. And I want you to know this is important. I want you to know it now and to appreciate every day, right? We don't know what's, we don't, nothing is promised. Like, let's right. just enjoy it. So I, maybe yeah. it was, a little, maybe it was a little heavy. <laughs> no, I think that's a really great, and I think that's a great point. I, I, a friend of mine is her father's has a few months to live and they're very, very close. And I said to her actually on, on Saturday, we, I went away with a few girlfriends for the weekend. Nice. <laughs> I think that's what all mothers should do, by the way. Yes, very we true. We were back by Mother's Day, but it was really nice. But I said to her, you know, when my dad first died, I, I felt such grief, just such grief. There was just a hole in my heart. But it's been six years now, or maybe more, eight years. Jesus, it's been eight years now. And I said to her, he's a part of me. He's still alive. He, he's, he's inside me. He's in every fiber of my being. And, and I do, I keep a picture of my father and me from my wedding day on my bedside table. And every night I get into bed and I see him and I say to him, I hope I see you in my dreams tonight. Oh, that is so sweet. You know, it's rare, especially it used to be much more frequent when he first died, but now it's, it's rare, but it's just those moments. I'm like, you're right there Mm -hmm. and maybe you'll show up and maybe you won't, but you know, it's the right order of things, first yep. of all. Yep. <laughs> and know that you'll feel grief, but then you're going to feel almost closer to your parent because you can talk to them all the time. I talk to him all the time. You know, he left me my stepmother, who we thought was going to go way before him. Um, she was very ill when he died. Oh. So we were all ready for her to die. And she was she's older than he is. So we were like, oh my God, he died? But that's not how things are. But every time I leave the nursing home, because she's a, a lot of work, <laughs> I look up and I go, dad, really? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I take care of her because I know he loved her. And so it's my gift to him. You know, I mean, I love her, too, but but I don't love her, you know, as 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 the way he did. But I take care of her because that's what he would have wanted me to do. And they're, so they're with you forever. And it's, I know it's easy to say, it's very hard to, to feel it. And I think when children lose their parents at a very young age, yes, it's a very different story. Agreed. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, yeah, that was actually interesting because I was I noticed how you wrote about Vicky in the in the book, and I was like wondering what the real story is here. You know, like, I feel like it was the one relationship you didn't totally dive deep into. Yeah. I mean, I did. I have a lot of chapters on the editing room floor. I had a, I had a whole chapter about her and, and she, she was a very interesting character. What's been interesting since my father's death is I have been going out to lunch with a lot of their, their friends. Mm -hmm. There's still two high school buddies of my father's. He went to Horace Mann and they're still alive. One is my godfather, Alan, who I write about in the book. And the other Mm -hmm. is a man named Jimmy Freund. And we have lunch They're They're in the city and we have lunch, you know, probably once every six months. And I said to them, because it was upsetting to my stepmother that no, none of my father's friends were calling her after my father died. So I called them and I said, Hey guys, Vicky is alone in a nursing home in Great Barrington. And I'm sort of her only conduit to the outside world and to my father. And she's wondering why you haven't called her. And I am too, to be honest, you know, I wasn't trying to shame them, but I just know that if any of their, if they had died, my father would have been there for their spouses in a, in a heartbeat. He would have been driving to see them all the time. Mm-hmm. And across the board, every single one of them was like, we never liked her. <laughs> <laughs> she, your father died because of her, oh, you know, and no. they had this whole narrative built up. But, and we never understood why they were together. Your father was this intellectual. So I had this whole chapter about her. My stepmother was an alcoholic and I wrote about her alcoholism in the, in the book, but it was starting to get into too many, you know, you open up too many boxes and then there's no cap on top. You can't, you can't then put a, put a close to it because you start veering down so many roads. So my editor felt like we need to stick to your Mm -hmm. immediate mother and father in relationship. And she can be on the periphery, Vicky. But if we get into there, then we have to get into her crazy childhood, which was a crazy childhood, you know? And so it just started getting a little too messy. And, and so we had to contain it a little bit more. And my father who never drank alcohol was married to a woman who was not a deep thinker. You know, you could never be too rich, too thin or too famous in her eyes. And her world was much, much more of a super superfluous world than my father's was. So none of us could really understand why they were together. And yet, and I did write this in the book, she made his eggs just perfectly. 
you know, she had his shirts ironed and his orange juice freshly squeezed every day. And my mother would rather burn in hell than do that for anyone. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it all works out and we all make our choices, but I love her. And she was good to me as a kid, you know, when I visited. So I, I, I'm going to take care of her till she dies. It's just what you do, right? (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's not what everybody does. So it's really nice you're doing that. Well, yeah. I mean, she's turning 90 in June. So I'm like, really? (laughs) (laughs) Not to sound um, morbid, but I mean, it's, she's, she, she's very sick. So I just don't know what she's clinging to. I want her to let go and, and go and hang out with my dad. Wow. Well, that's really, that's just really awesome. (laughs) I saw, by the way, on your Instagram that you post about books every so often. And I feel like we have the same taste in books. I've, I've had like every author you mentioned, like Aaron French and Lily King and Brit Bennett, who is Maude Dixon. Oh yeah. Coralie. It's like, I love all the books you love. Um, Are you reading? I'm just right now. I'm obsessed. It's so good. Are you reading Delia Efron's new book, Left on 10th? I already read it. It's amazing. Oh, I'm halfway I, through. Don't tell me. Okay, <laughs> I, mean, I won't I know, tell you. I know her a little bit and I know how it ends. But I loved it. I actually put, I put that written. like on my list of like what I'm what I got my mom for Mother's Day this year because uh, it's great. It was great, and I loved interviewing her. She was awesome. But yes, oh, you so got good. to interview her too. I, she lives around the corner from me, so we bump into each other all the oh, time. Yeah, she had read my memoir and stopped me on the street, and I was I was just. She had once written an op ed in the New York Times years ago yes. when I was on The Good Wife. I think the title was "What About Me," and it was all about how important it was for her not the character, Will and Alicia, but for her, for Will and Alicia to get together. (laughs) That's a great op-ed. So I've been a huge fan since then. I've been calling her going, wait, wait, let me tell you. (laughs) It wouldn't have been great. So she's like, I don't care. It's about me. (laughs) Did your mom, like, I know she's having dementia now, but did she have any feelings about the book? Like, has she read the book? She has read the book. And... First of all, she knew everything that was going into the book because I, I needed to, my research really was her. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank God I, I got her before she doesn't, she, she's in and out of dementia. It's the early stages. So she's still pretty coherent for most on most days. It depends on the day. And I told her this and she laughed so hard. She's like, I love the book, honey. It's so wonderful. I said, of course you do. You're the biggest narcissist I know. And it's about <laughs> you. <laughs> But she does. She loves the honesty of it. And I think she, you know, my mother valued her worth on the amount of boyfriends she had. Mm -hmm. And so I write about how beautiful she was and all her boyfriends. So to her, I think it seems like she is this stunning, still a Broadway dancer, you know, with the men falling at her feet. And I think that makes her happy. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So, it's amazing. Do you know what has become of Lamsey and Rabbity Jones, oh, your stuffed animals? They're here. They're in yeah, my apartment. Do you still have them? Oh my gosh. I do. I, I still have them right now. They're in, they're in storage in a bin, but for years they were in Kieran's room. They're dirty. I mean, I tried to wash uh, Rabbity Jones. <laughs> it's a little gray, but yeah, I still have them. They're the, the only things I have from my childhood. Oh. And I thought my my son would take to them, but boys are very different than girls. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no thanks. He's like, whatever. Does it have wheels? No. But we <laughs> we have. I figure one day maybe if he ever has children, I'll have I'll be able to give them to my grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> my my mom had these dolls that like her parents had gotten her, 
and they were like very, you know, they don't move very much, you know, they're just like propped up. And she gave them to me when I was a little girl, and I was like, oh, great, I'm going to give these to my kids. And my kids are like, these are the creepiest things we've ever seen. <laughs> they made me like put them in the closet with the door closed. Like, right. I never want to see these again. I'm like, well, right. that's what late, happens. That's laid plans, you know. <laughs> it's like it's like watching our children now with with technology as opposed to you know how we grew up. It's like for my son when I was editing when I was editing and writing my book, I was in such a panic because I'm technologically I'm technologically challenged. And my son would be like, mom, why are you cut, copying and pasting? Just do this. And, he, and I was like, oh, you're going to lose it. And he just, you know, for, for them, it's so easy. There's an ease to it. It's just a yeah. different language now. So true. And I'm, I have to stop. I, I sort of push it away because I, I mourn the good old days of actually sitting down with a pen in hand. And now I sound ancient, but there's something about writing, you know, kids don't write anymore. And then we don't, all those letters I had from when I was a kid yep. was because my father saved the letters. What happens to emails? You know, yeah, I know unless you put them in a folder or print them out, yep. which when I got older and I made my father get email when I was away on different jobs. And there was a whole chapter about that too, but he had, when he died, I found all my emails. He printed them out and put them in a file, So sweet. which was great because I then remembered the whole job that I was on, I'd come home every day and, you know, write to him about what it was like, you know, it was when I was doing the Miss of Avalon and it was such a, my favorite job I've ever had because I was riding horses. And the only reason I knew how to ride horses was because my father gave me horseback riding lessons and supported me as an equestrian. So I was so grateful to him and it really, it spelled out the journey. And I think now it's like, now we're on a mission to clean out our mailboxes, you know, on our- <laughs> yes. like, what can I throw away? <laughs> yeah, it's true. But th- those little things, and I'm a definite cleaner. I like everything in order, but those little things, you have to save those moments because you'll forget them. You think you won't, but you will. Mm-hmm. It's true. Juliana, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your whole life story. Even without all the entertainment stuff, I found it absolutely fascinating. And then to know what's become of your career on top of this childhood just made it even more interesting. So I just thought it was fascinating. And I'm so glad that you've come to this place of forgiveness and acceptance and leading your life the way you are. It's really awesome to have like gone through this little journey with you through the book. So thank you. Thank you you so, so much. Thank you for reading it and for having me on your show. I love the name of your show. It's so good. And and good luck to you. And thank you for supporting writers. It's such a great thing you're doing. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.